You are now listening to the Conversationalist Podcast. Well, hello, and thank you for listening to another episode of the Conversationalist Podcast. This is going to be episode 54. I'm Jesse, and I'm here with Amanda. Hi. And we have a lot of stuff to go over because we've been sending ourselves. We've been sending ourselves. <laughs> We've been sending ourselves a bunch of stories for like like two weeks or more, a little bit more than that. Um, so we have a uh, list of honorable mentions because there's so many things to go over. We're just going to like zip through like a couple of items that were, again, worth mentioning, but not, uh, not to actually like go into a bunch of detail on them. So... Um, in the, the first honorable mention, uh, it's basically, um, explaining that the Spawn movie that we talked about before, um, the original Spawn movie from, uh, 97 is now available on Netflix. So, um, they are making a sequel, but if you want to see the original, it's on Netflix now. Yay. So moving on to the next one, uh, Marvel has released... The Inhumans trailer, um, which uh, you should be able to find with no problem on YouTube. Uh, basically, the Inhumans is going to be an ABC television show. They're going to release the first two episodes as like, um, like a movie, and then that's going to be something that is uh, going to be released sometime this summer in IMAX. So. Um, if you want to see uh, that video, again, YouTube is your friend. It'll probably be there. YouTube has everything. Right, even if you want to listen to music, right? It's just there. It has music videos. Well, I mean, music videos, I mean, you just want to listen to, like, music in general, not necessarily watch the video. Well, yeah, because there's all kinds of licensing with that. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, okay, this is going off topic, but, you know, when you're talking about wanting to listen to a song... Let's say you want to go to Pandora or you want to go to one of these other apps. You might want to listen to a specific song, but you have to listen to like other songs before you can listen to it. Or it does some sort of mix. I mean, unless you're paying like premium price. Which Whereas you like with YouTube, like you can just <laughs> go to YouTube, play whatever song you want, and then just play it. I mean, it would be an issue for somebody that has limited data to not want to do that. But at the same time, like we have unlimited data plans, like completely unlimited. So like for us, it doesn't fucking matter. That's true. So, yeah, YouTube. Um, let's see. So on to the next honorable mention. This one uh, we were actually really excited about when we talked about it before. Um, but basically it's about a Russian superhero film that is finally getting a U.S. release. Um, it's It has a really weird sounding name, obviously, because it's fucking Russian. But it is like, and I'm going to murder this, it's Zashchitniki but it's basically known in English translation as Guardians. Um, it's going to be available um, through Shout Factory on September 5th um, for the U.S. release date. It's already been released for uh, quite some time at this point. Um, apparently it didn't do too well. Uh, I want to say it had a $5 million budget and only made about $4.7 million or $300 million Russian rubles. So who knows if there's going to be a sequel of any kind, but basically that, uh, 
is it for that. Now, the the trailer actually did look pretty cool, I thought. And the trailer is, again, going to be something that's available on uh, on YouTube. Uh, I, I think it was worth a watch. Um, it, it does look like a, a ripoff of uh, several different Marvel characters. Yeah. Um, but still, I think it looks neat. So September 5th should be available on... Uh, on Blu-ray or um, for uh, streaming folks. So check that out. You probably find it on like a fire stick or something if you speak Russian. Probably. Well, I don't, I don't know if they have in, they might even have in subtitles, huh? Maybe. I don't know. Maybe it wouldn't be as cool in subtitles. Like if you just wait until September release date, maybe they'll have some sort of English dub or something. So it'll look horrible. <laughs> I don't know. It can end up being like one of those like really old, like a, uh, your lips move and then the words come out. Yeah, like one of those old Buddhist monk, like, you know, Chinese fighting videos. I used to have a bunch of those. I thought they were fucking awesome. That's um, not surprising. <laughs> I'm getting thirsty. I'm going to have a cactus cooler. Whatever. I already am going to finish mine. Oh, gosh, whoever invented cactus coolers such a smart person. Orange and pineapple are definitely two flavors that combine well together. You know what actually is really good? When you put vodka, in, vodka inside cactus cooler. I bet. But I mean, everything tastes better with vodka. Just about. Fresh in that heart. <laughs> yeah. Uh, another honorable mention, it has to do with uh, the Top Gun sequel. I mean, it finally got a release date. Uh, this info came uh, July 2nd through Yahoo News. The release date um, is July 12th, 2019. And uh, the sequel is supposed to be called <laughs> Top Gun Maverick. Wow. Yeah, they really went all out. So that, uh, I mean, we already kind of like reamed all the different like sequels that are coming out. But are. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm hoping that it's good because the, top, the original Top Gun was pretty cool. So we move on to um, this uh, first story. Uh, that we're not going to zip through per se. Um, but this is from Nerdist, and it has to do with a Godzilla um, anime trailer. Um, basically, the whole premise of this is that there's, well, I mean, the movie, sheesh, I'm all jumbled up. Basically, there's an anime movie that's based on Godzilla. And the spin is that Basically, Godzilla and all these other kaiju have taken over Earth, and humans have fled the planet and uh, went into space to try to find a different home. But 20,000 years later, they haven't found a permanent home. And so humans have come back to Earth only to find that Godzilla's still alive and there's still a shit ton of kaiju on Earth. So, um, that's the... So it's like a planet of the apes with Godzillas. Yeah, Godzilla and Kaiju. Which, I mean, Kaiju, I guess, are just big monsters. Is that the, is, is the term. So, um, this is actually going to be like a feature-length uh, feature movie, but an anime movie. And it's going to release uh, uh, in Japan pretty soon. Um, it'll get a release date toward the end of uh, the year 
on Netflix. I want to say the release date in Japan is November, and then it's supposed to come out in, on Netflix um, afterward here in the U.S. So this film, it, it, it had a trailer as well, um, again, available on YouTube. Uh, the title of the movie is Godzilla Monster Planet. Now, the trailer really doesn't give you a lot. I, I didn't show it to Amanda, but really she wasn't missing like anything. Essentially, it's like shot of the Earth, shot of spaceships around the Earth, a bunch of people just kind of like staring out into the distance. And um, it, what, what one of the angles to like the whole concept or story of this movie seemed kind of ridiculous to me. I mean, the whole scenario of like monsters and like Godzilla like taking over Earth and like humans basically trying to like reclaim the planet that they've already fled 20,000 years later and you know so they're basically coming back as like the alien species okay that's all fucking cool like I'm totally down with that now the part of the story that I think is stupid is that they're focusing on like one hero character and Hi. this character um saw his parents get killed by Godzilla as a child. And 20,000 so, years ago? Right, it seemed kind of weird. So. Are they not aging in these spaceships? I have no fucking clue. Did he come back as a spirit and then someone else's body? It was it was confusing, and I'm like, okay, so how does that happen? Um, I don't know if like maybe they tried to go down to Earth, and then they, the parents got killed or something. But basically, his parents get killed by Godzilla, and so... Not only does he want to take back Earth, it's for humankind, but he wants revenge. Dun, dun, dun. And the person he, that will, and the thing that he wants revenge against is like the all-powerful Godzilla. That's still living after twenty thousand years. Yeah. So there's that. I thought it was kind of stupid as like a story, like a plot point. I mean, I know there's all kinds of other things that have been done to death in terms of like you know, what makes a good show or movie move forward. I just thought that, like, the revenge plot of, like, oh, somebody killed my parents is kind of Dumb. something... Well, in this case, it's, it's kind of stupid. Like, the person just can't have, like, motivation to, like, take back the planet. You know? That's kind of a big fucking deal, right? You're, you're on the verge of maybe extinction. You know, humans want their fucking planet back. Or maybe he's just lazy. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. So, there's Not that. ambitious enough. For just that. There must be a reason. <laughs> yeah, so there's that. It, it does seem like a pretty interesting concept, and I am eager to watch it. So, um, you know, we'll just uh, keep, a, keep a little eye on that movie, and, and hopefully it's uh, as cool as the concept makes it seem. Although it's, it's just a, a movie-length film, so, I mean, I almost feel like they can actually do, like, a whole like, miniseries on it, as opposed to just a film. Like, I feel like they could do way more with this. Way to drag it out, though. I don't know. I mean, like, there's been a lot of, like, series in terms of, like, anime that are really good. I mean, just in terms of the depth of their story, they they end up being, like, a, a you know, fairly long series, but it gives them the opportunity to kind of, like, develop all the characters properly and, like, to tell a really good story and, like, not feel rushed and, you know, for them to, like, 
you know, reach of, you know, Pinnacle that, again, isn't rushed. And, you know, for there to be, like, a more satisfying, like, ending to the story because it, it reaches, you know, the story arc is gradual and, you know, just, you know, in two hours, I mean, that we're talking about a lot of shit happening and, like, cramming that into, like, a movie. Or maybe they realize people don't want to watch Godzilla for more than two hours at a time. Any kind of Godzilla. <laughs> I guess. Maybe. I mean, maybe it's because nobody's ever done like Godzilla right to begin with. I mean, aside from, like, the old classics. But even then, like, people just watch those and make fun of them. You know? Nobody appreciates those movies. I don't know. I would if they were done well. I mean, like, when they released the... Uh, what was it? They didn't even call it Godzilla at the time. But, like, it was, like, shot in, like, first person on fucking, like, camcorders and we're all, like, all over the place and whatever. I forget what the... It, it wasn't called Godzilla. There was, um, another name for that stupid movie. Um, but it had to do with Godzilla. I'll remember later when it doesn't matter. We're recording a podcast and I can't remember the fucking movie. So, um... But that just tells you how shitty it was. <laughs> it was a fucking terrible movie. So, uh... But again, they didn't do it right. Like it was like it could have been a good movie, and it wasn't. So because nobody like, cares about Godzilla. Yeah. Well, you know. Nobody. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just move on. <laughs> so um, there's this other uh, there's this other movie that uh, doesn't have to do with fucking monsters or Earth takeovers. Um, and this movie is a Jackie Chan. Uh, film. I, I don't know that he directs it, but he's the um, central character to this story. The bad guy being Pierce Brosnan, and the movie's called The Foreigner. Now, we actually watched this uh, this trailer, and it is pretty damn awesome. Uh, essentially, I mean, Jackie Chan is like this obviously aged man, very unassuming. Um, his daughter ends up getting killed in a bombing and he's trying to figure out who these bombers were and believe that this diplomat played by Pierce Brosnan knows who they are. And, um, he keeps coming back wanting information, but he's not getting it. And so they start looking in to Jackie Chan only to find out that like, he's some like super special ops fucking guy that they, they can't figure out, Basically, they can't get a hold of him because at this point, he's kind of at wit's end with trying to figure out who these bombers are, and he believes that Pierce Brosnan knows, and he's so it just everybody right. It just kind of escalates from there. It almost seems similar to the Liam Neeson movie um, Taken, but like in reverse, instead of like him trying to obviously rescue his yeah, daughter. She's already I mean, dead. she's already fucking dead, so it's a revenge plot, but. Um, I remember growing up watching all of Jackie Chan's movies, like, I can't even think of all of them, but, like, you know, Super Cop and Operation Condor and, like, The Drunken Master, like, he had a shit ton of fantastic movies, like, they were fun to watch, the action was awesome, I mean, it's cool that he did did all of his own stunts, and most of the stories were pretty fucking neat, and so I remember I would just rent every single movie he had as soon as it came out i watched them all and like they're all like quality movies i thought and so this one seems a lot more it seems a little darker serious. yeah than all the other ones it's definitely a lot more serious not not playful by any means like 
you know, his um, previous films, uh, but this movie does look very good. And Pierce Brosnan is a bad guy. Yeah. Seems pretty neat because like Pierce Brosnan's a pretty good actor. I wouldn't I wouldn't even say pretty good. Like he's a great fucking actor. Yeah, he's good. So this movie's gonna be interesting. I'm actually like like I'm I'm, I'm like oh I'm looking forward to this one. I'm looking forward to this one. Like this one more than anything. I really want to see like soon. Um, I mean the Russian one. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it because it seems like fucking cool or whatever. But I'd rather see this when it comes out. So, um. It is supposed to release, I think, sometime in October, like October 13th of this year is when it's supposed to release, so that's not too far away. That's uh, pretty close. So um, if you want to see the trailer, again, YouTube your friend, check it out. It's called The Foreigner. So um, moving on to the next topic. Um this one comes from uh, CosmicBookNews.com, and this has to do with uh, Matt Reeves uh, and his direction for where he wants to go with this uh, standalone Batman movie. Uh, I will basically scroll to his quote so that I'm not going over the entirety of this story, but uh, he was like on, on a press junket. He's talking about um, this recent Planet of the Apes movie that's coming out. I think it's already out. Is it out this weekend? I think so. Yeah, I think it's out this weekend. So he was at a press jacket talking about, you know, the release of the Planet of the Apes movie, about wrapping that, and, like, now he's going to start, um, you know, filming this Batman movie that is, let's see here, I'm, I'm trying to remember when the release for the Batman movie is supposed to be. I know that uh, the Planet of the Apes movie is supposed to hit theaters July 14th, so I think it's next weekend. Um, but in this, uh, this press meeting, he says, I, and this is a quote, he says, I want to do a very point of view driven, uh, you know, this film and all these films, and I want to try to do in almost a Hitchcock, uh, Hitchcockian sense is to use the camera and use the storytelling so that you become the character. You empathize with the point of view. I think there's a chance to do an almost noir-driven detective version of Batman that is a very point-of-view-driven in a very, very powerful way that is hopefully going to connect you to what's going on inside of the head and inside of the heart of Batman. So I know the beginning seemed like maybe I was like not reading it right, but again, this is a quote, and so like he's like speaking off the cuff, so obviously it's not like super smooth, but um, I think the intent of where he wants to go with the standalone Batman film seems like it has the potential to be really cool, definitely like a slower, you know, deeper, Does more methodical movie. Need movie. To get slower? Well, I mean, it's they're pretty good on their slow. Who DC? They were trying to like DC and like their yes. methods. Well, I mean, what was slow about Suicide Squad? That one wasn't slow. I meant they're Batman's mostly. Well, I mean, he's supposed to be playing, like, an older, like, weathered, you know, just kind of beat down Batman. I guess. You know, so, I mean, the, the noir version, like, gives it, I think it kind of, I guess it kind of would encapsulate what, you know, that that Batman is doing, as opposed to, like, a younger Batman that's just 
like kind of getting into all the shit. I mean, obviously he's more calculated now. He's an older guy. You know, he's going to be in the Justice League and he's going to be this leader and, you know, a group of superheroes with actual fucking powers. He's the only one in the group that doesn't have, like, a legitimate crazy fucking power. Like, his power is he's rich as fuck and he's smart, right? That works. But that's what I'm saying, like, you know, in this movie, you know, you got, like, this kind of slow detective drama where... I, I think it could be. I really guess neat. it doesn't really fit with the rest of their movies, though. But I mean, it does well to develop the character and the kind of Batman that they're going for moving forward, right? In terms of like Batman being featured in like other DC movies. We'll see. I don't know. I thought Batman was like super good, played by Ben Affleck in the previous films. He's a good Batman, but I just I don't see this type of movie helping their cause any. I don't know. I think Batman's like a they safe need to bet. do. What they did for Wonder Woman. Now that would really improve their franchise as a whole. Something like flashy and, but like, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. I don't know. It wasn't like gritty and flashy. Uh, and it wasn't, at no point was it really slow, right? It always kind of seemed like it was it's just building, building, building. I mean, obviously that's what any movie's supposed to do, but I felt like Wonder Woman just did it like really well and naturally. They did. It didn't seem forced like other films. everything else. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, I mean, it shouldn't be that hard to do that with Batman, of all films. It shouldn't, and yet here they are. Batman's got, like, a massive fan base. I mean, honestly, like, if I could be any DC character, you know, a lot of people would be like, oh, be Superman, because I want to fly, and, like, I want to be able to kill anything in one hit and shit. Like, I want to be Batman. You know? Like, I mean, shit. Even if I could be a fucking Marvel superhero, I'd probably want to be Tony Stark. Because he's rich. Um, because he's got fucking powers, and he's rich, and he's got all his shit on the- I mean, like, he's got everything. Like, yeah, sure, he don't have any, like, you know, like, natural fucking power like all these other people. But he can be a normal person if he wants to. You know, but he, he's, he's also significant enough to be a legitimate fucking, you know, make a difference superhero that is, you know, just incredible in his own right. You know, but again, still able to be like a human that's not like torn with like, oh man, these powers curse me. No. He just fucking takes the suit off. And he can be a normal fucking person. But not just a normal person. A person that has the ability to do whatever the fuck he wants because he has so much money. You know, and run his business and do whatever the fuck he wants. Like, that's awesome. Iron Man and Batman. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> what are you giving me the fucking squidlings for? <laughs> Who would you want to be like if you could be a, a superhero character? I mean, uh, just like I the character know. that you look at and you're like, it'd be fucking awesome to have that, you know, hero's abilities. I mean, be like a girl Tony Stark. So Tonette. <laughs> Tanya. <laughs> <laughs> You'd want to be a girl Tony Stark? Because he has all the money. You know, he has all the money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like, there's nobody else, though? Like, you're just going to be a copier? I don't really think it's a superhero. <laughs> like that. I guess. I don't know. I mean, I, I can see why you would want... I can see why you'd want that, so... Um, moving on to the uh, next topic. Um, there is going to be an R-rated Hellboy. We talked about this previously. Um, this story comes from uh, Inverse.com. And it's... 
the, the whole story is is that the director is basically saying he's taking the cuffs off. Um, essentially, with the R rating that this movie's getting, that they're going to have the ability to basically go dark and bloody, which is what Hellboy is all about. Um, and yeah. so getting this R rating gives them the ability to be more in tune with what like Hellboy is supposed to be, not necessarily trying to, you know, just do a bunch of unnecessary shit because they have the R rating, you know, more like, okay, look, we can be more true to the character. We can be more true to the story and, and going where we want to go without, you know, like without balance. Yeah, exactly. So, um, the, now, now this is going to be a full-fledged reboot, and it's going to be called Hellboy Rise of the Blood Queen. Now, initially, when we talked about this before, we were like, is it going to be a reboot, or is it going to be a sequel? And, you know, this answers that question. And so then the other thing is, is like, obviously, if it's going to be a reboot, you're not going to have, um, god dang it, what's his name? Ron uh, Perlman. Yeah, he's old. Yeah, you're not going to have, you know, old-ass Ron Perlman. I mean, even though I think he's a good Hellboy, but, I mean, not in a he's reboot. Old. Yeah, well, yeah. So um, <laughs> now they are going to get um, David Harbour, who is the one that's going to be playing uh, Hellboy. And I was like, who the fuck is that? Like, she kind of knew who he was. She was like, oh, is that the dude from Stranger Things? Um, and apparently he's a sheriff in that. Um, sheriff. So we went and pulled him up on IMDb. Cool. And what's funny is, like, looking at him, he was, I mean... Ron Perlman kind of has a weird face, but just like just his, his facial shape and like jaw structure for David Harbour, I think it kind of matches very similar to kind of the outline of like Ron Perlman's face. I mean, without all the busted ass rest of his face to me, like they yeah. have like the same head shape. I don't know. It seemed like they're like, okay, this is like a younger Ron Perlman with like, I don't know, it's less beat up. So. I don't know. I mean, do you disagree? I, I don't think he looks anything like him. Not even in head shape. <laughs> no. I don't know. I thought so. I mean, that's one thing we can disagree on. I, uh, so we're gonna hire you for your head shape. <laughs> I'm sure he's got. I'm sure he's got good acting <laughs> abilities. I mean, you know, he's in Stranger Things. That was a really good show. Was he in something else? Because I thought she said like in something else. What was it? No, I thought he was the sheriff from Stranger Things. Oh, I don't know. I thought you'd said something earlier when I showed you the IMDb the first time. Yeah, I said mornings are for coffee and contemplation. Because that's what they say in Stranger Things. Oh, okay. I think he was in coffee and contemplation. <laughs> I don't know. I didn't know if that was a fucking show. It sounds like it could be one. <laughs> so, um, this movie is going to be released in 2018. No specific uh, month or day. So, um, just keep your eye out for that. Um Let's see here. Moving on to the next story. This one comes from SciFiWire.com, uh, and this one has to do with SciFi placing a pilot order for George R. R. Martin's Night Flyers. Um, I am not familiar with Night Flyers at all, um, but apparently it's an adaption of the 1987 sci-fi flick. Um, and the story... Let's see. The script was penned by Jeff Bueller, who did Jacob's Ladder, which is kind of a serious movie. Um, but let's see. It focuses on eight scientists hoping to make contact with aliens on the verge of Earth's destruction. The scientists, joined by a telepath, 
take flight. Their ship is also called the Nightflyer, but the journey is nothing like what they'd expect. So Martin is not involved in uh, in this show creatively, basically because he's still bound by his contract with uh, HBO and his involvement with yeah, Game of Thrones. Yeah, definitely no tits and ass, which I guess is probably a good thing since this is probably more of like a family-friendly PG-13 kind of shit. Maybe. I don't know. So, um, to me, with with something where you have like a good show or you have a good book, and then, you know, obviously you have the person that, like, it's their brainchild, you would, you would want their involvement because, you know they can give you some insight as to like what their intent or direction was on the film or like where they were hoping it would go so that you can kind of build on their creativity. I mean, you already have the book in front of you, you know, but obviously the person responsible for what you're doing, a story based on like you'd hope that they'd be involved on some level. So I I think it's kind of disappointing because I almost feel like they could kind of go. They aren't though. They just sell the rights to their book and they're like, please. Well, much like um, when we were at Comic-Con and Max Brooks was talking about, you know, how when he wrote the book for World War Z and, you know, it was getting made into a movie that basically snowballed into something that didn't have anything to do it really didn't. with his book. And, you know, how we basically just left, you know, and let them do whatever the fuck they were going to do with it. They had the name, but it didn't have anything to do with the book. And, you know, essentially they... They ruined it, but in, in one thing, he was basically saying that he was glad that he left and let them do whatever because, essentially, even though the film was made under the title World War Z, a World War Z movie really hasn't been made because it's not based on the fucking book, right? Yeah. So, I mean, I guess it could be a good and a bad thing. You know, if they really ruin it, <laughs> they could still go back and, you know, maybe have the creative person you know, give it some direction, but at the same time, if he's not involved, and then they shit all over this book, everybody's gonna be like, hmm, Night Flyers? Mm, yeah, wasn't that that shitty ass? You know, it's already ruined. I mean, I mean, another good example is Judge Dredd, like the original, like, 90s film with Sylvester Stallone. That was cheesy. was terrible, right? But then when, when the other Judge Dredd came out with, you know the actor's name, I always forget his name. Carl Urban. With Carl Urban. And they put his helmet on the whole time. The whole time. It's such a waste of a face. <laughs> anyway. Such a handsome individual. He is. He's got chiseled features. He's a good looking dude. He's a rugged dude. And he's a good actor. Yes, he is. So, you know, he. So, so then the sequel for Judge Dredd comes out. And I remember when this movie came out, I'm like, no, I'm not going to pay to see this. But then we watched it on Netflix, and it was like, oh, fucking god like i would have paid to see this movie twice in theaters i would have definitely saw it in 3d because you could tell it was made for it like it was amazing and you never listen to me when i want to watch movies though oh god oh god no i mean the thing was i thought you were just like you know chomping at that movie because you know you know carl urban made your freaking lady bits tingle or whatever i thought that's all that was I got a pee, speaking of tingling lady bits. <laughs> yeah, so I'm just like, okay. And I'm like, mm, I'm not taking her to see some movie so she can poo over this fucking Star Trek dude. Yeah, that you'll go watch the movie because people are hot. No, I don't Wonder watch Woman. movies just because she's hot. First off, Gal Gadot is a good actor. Second off, it has to do with Wonder Woman, 
which has to do with a superhero uh-huh. movie. So regardless of who played it, I would have saw it just because it was a superhero movie. Just like tonight, we already purchased tickets because we're going to go see Spider-Man Homecoming. doesn't involve a chick who is hot or anything else, but guess what? We're still going to go see it because it has to do with the Marvel Universe. And Donald Glover is in it. Oh, my God. Yay! So, um, yeah, you know, so... You know, you ruin the movie, or you, you basically, like, shit on the, you know, the name, and then, you know, it comes around again, and, you know, people aren't going to be as willing to give it a second chance, so, I mean, I hope they do right the first time, so that uh, that doesn't happen, and then they don't end up doing some shit like they do with, like, World War Z, so, uh, I think the overall synopsis of the story seems like it has the potential to be a pretty good story, so, um, I don't know. I think it'll be cool. What do you think? Yeah. If they do it right, it'll be good. So Probably. Maybe. The, uh, yeah, so let's see here. The uh, next story is from OuterPlaces.com, and it has to do with Spider-Man being the lead character for uh, Marvel's Phase 4, I, I guess, to, I don't know, whittle down this entire article. Uh it explains that, you know, Iron Man's been, like, the glue that holds a lot of the MCU together. Like, he's been, like, the most central character in the MCU. He's been featured in a crap ton of the Marvel movies in terms yeah. of, like, you know, bringing a movie into the MCU. Much like, you know, his... Him being featured in Spider-Man Homecoming, which is coming out in some theaters tonight. So, uh, at this point, the article's saying that this is sort of like a like a passing the torch kind of movie. That you know, uh, Tom Holland as Spider-Man is going to be that character that's going to start being featured in a lot of these other movies going forward, as opposed to where that's always been Tony Stark or Iron Man's uh, realm. So you'll see Spider-Man in some other standalone movies and featured in other films, uh, you know, going forward with less of an emphasis on Iron Man, which, again, probably has a lot to do with a lot of the, like, older Marvel characters, their contracts basically coming up. You know, you're talking about Iron Man, Captain America, um, Thor, all those characters are, you know, they've done a bunch of films at this point, and I think it's either going to be like, you know, Marvel's going to have to like show them the money (laughs) to convince them to stay on for like, you know, one more movie or two more movies, because I mean, this was like a... get paid a ton anyway, so... Yeah, I, I mean, but, you know, what it comes down to a lot of times, it's like, they probably get, I mean... Obviously, by any standards, they're getting paid a lot of money. But for them, it's like, oh, well, I've already done, like, three or four of these. I don't want to get typecast as this character. So, I mean, you're you're really going to have to make it worth my while for me to, you know, play this character one or two more times. Okay. You know what I mean? Because, like, then, like, if, if fucking Chris Hemsworth plays, you know, Thor, you know, for three or four more films, everybody's going to be like, oh, yeah, fucking Chris Hemsworth is Thor. You know, we're not going to... But he's not really good in any of his other movies. I mean, he did that racer one, which is all right, but then he did the computer hacking one, and I was like, (laughs) 
Yeah. Uh, See, but again, he's going to get typecast because people weren't like, oh, he's not a racer. He's fucking Thor. So they're going to be like, hey, do you want to be like a medieval warrior, Norris, you know, conqueror type? And he's going to be like, God damn it. Like, this is exactly why I didn't want to, you know, do like three more movies, which I mean, he's probably like a really good character, you know, for that kind, you know, that, that, uh, you know, small segment of movies. But again, that might not be what he wants to do for the rest of his life. Yeah, but if he wants a career, he'll suck it up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I guess that's, I'm just saying, like, that's their, that's their explanation for why, hey, look, you better pay me a bunch of money because, you know. They're the ones that end up at the booths at the Comic-Cons, charging <laughs> 45 bucks a picture. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just like that. That That is a fucking great point. Yeah, they, like, don't miss a con because they, you know, don't want to miss out. Money. Exactly. So, I mean, that's, that's, uh, that's basically it. So, um, I don't know. I think it's cool. I mean, I think the, uh, I think Spidey, you know, being the, the glue that holds it all together. This one. I mean. If they had tried it with any of the other spider dudes, they wouldn't have gone over very well. Are you saying Tobey Maguire couldn't have done it? Ugh. Okay, so those movies were all right, but they weren't the best. No, he wouldn't have. It would be like throwing oh. Edward Norton back into the picture as the whole. How just could you? ensemble it wouldn't fit. I think Tony McGuire could mesh in. The Toby McGuire could mesh in. I, I mean, I think Edward Norton sticks out like a sword thumb. But Toby McGuire, I, I could see still still pulling mm-hmm. it off. Andrew Garfield probably would have had more of a chance. Mm. But even then, he wasn't the best. I disagree. Wasn't the best fighting. Yeah, I didn't like him as Spider-Man at all. I would have been like, oh, like, will they bring Toby back? <laughs> Well, yeah, because he was, like, the first one, really, to do it. But those movies kind of blew. <gasps> How could you? They were good. They were all right. I mean, the one where he got emo was kind of lame, but that's all the, the rest were. See, that's the one I think of the most. <laughs> yeah. It overshadowed but it had to do with Venom, though. I mean, like, it had to do with, like, you know, the symbiote basically, like, taking over, yeah. you know, so that's kind of what happened. That movie kind of ruined the rest of them. Whatever. Sorry, Toby. Yeah. So yeah, there's that. It, it's it seems like a pretty interesting concept going forward. I mean, it, it makes sense. Uh, you know, Tom Holland's young. He got a shitload of movies left in him. So like moving forward, I'm sure that at some point, you know, they're probably gonna do like what they're doing in the, you know, the like where they're going with like with like the new Fifty Two, where they're like changing all the, um, you know, they're changing all the characters. So I mean, who knows? Like in the movies, they might end up doing like a you know, a female Thor, or a, you know, black Captain America, or fucking, you know, Asian Hulk, or whatever. You know, the new up... 52 DC. The new 52, did I say the new 52? Yeah. I did, didn't I? Well, whatever. Whatever fucking, they're, whatever they're doing with Marvel. When they're doing all the, all the, all the, I don't know, not rebranding. The diversity change? Yeah, that. So, you know, they, they could be preparing for that direction if they went that way though then he wouldn't be spider-man anymore miles morales would be spider-man in in these movies that are coming up they already have a character cast is miles morales going forward i know it's donald glover yeah so like i said they're probably preparing for that that yeah except he's also going to be lando so it's like pick and choose your franchise um tell that to harrison ford 
I guess. I mean, how many freaking big franchises has Harrison been in? I mean, maybe this is his chance, right? Maybe. So, maybe he's just going to be in all the big films. It's about time. Big Bala. I know, you're, you're a big fan. She's a huge fan of Childish Gambino. Donald Glover. Donald Glover. He acts as his name. He only <laughs> sings as Childish Gambino. <laughs> okay. We don't need to get in that. She's gonna. She's like. She's. She's getting her mama bear claws out on me. And she's like, don't you use that. So yeah, she. She's a big old fan. I am. So uh, let's see. Going on to the next story. Um, this one comes from uh, JoeBlow.com, and this has to do with Ron Howard being confirmed as the Han Solo director. Now, um, the original directors for the Han Solo film were. Phil Lord and Christopher Miller. They basically exited um, just recently, and there was only about like 15% of the movie left to film. Uh, so Lucasfilm is basically coming in and you know hiring a talented you know director with a lot of experience like Ron Howard yeah. to uh, basically finish the Han Solo film. Which when we read this. Or, like, why the fuck would the directors of a movie like this step out after doing, like, most of the movie and, 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 and cut out with just, like, 15% left? Like, it makes zero sense. So um, there was a little explanation at the time as to why that was. Uh, now, the film itself uh, has until, I think the release date's May 2018. So... Um, it was just it's it just left a lot of questions to be answered because it didn't make a lot of sense that 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 would happen. Um, you know, the story uh, is basically indicating that you know because Ron Howard is coming in, he's still not going to get like any sort of like primary director credit for filming it because it's already mostly done. So he's not going to get a director's credit for you know finishing up the last fifteen percent. Unless they have to do a shit ton of reshoots, which could end up happening because there were a shit ton of reshoots associated with Rogue One. Um, now, to leap... Oops, hitting things on the table is not good for the yet. Um, but uh, basically, to jump ahead, um, this is this story came from OuterPlaces.com. It, uh, it explains that the... Uh, Two directors, um, I, I just said their names a minute ago, and they... Super not important. Yeah, but whatever. Uh, the, the, the directors, uh, Phil Lord and Christopher Miller, that uh, basically they were not following the script, per se. So what this is saying is that what they were favoring a lot was, like, ad-libbing and just people kind of making up parts of the story like in the moment so to speak i mean not not in terms of like you know big plot points but i mean like so and so is supposed to say this but you know so and so ends up saying this other shit instead of what's written on the paper and the director's like oh you know that actually looks and sounds better anyways so cut, move on, instead of doing it by what's scripted. 
like, you know, to maybe, you know, capture a little bit of, like, a more natural feel, as opposed to, like, maybe some shit that, like, you know, seems forced in the script, right? Maybe. I mean, that, that that's where I'm kind of uh, rationalizing the, you know, like, what's going on in the director's mind. But apparently they were favoring, I mean, basically what the story's saying is that, um, let's see here. They were trying out uh, improvised dialogue, um, and the screenplay was being ignored in favor of off-the-cuff material. And apparently it wasn't just a little bit. It was a lot. And uh, That sounds like Ron Howard's going to have a lot of reshooting to do. There's a good possibility. Um, let's see. Uh, Lucasfilm president Kathleen Kennedy and producer Lawrence Kasdan, you know, kind of stepped in because they weren't uh, very impressed with the fact that the directors weren't really sticking to the script. <laughs> and uh, well, yeah, they're bankrolling that thing. They want it how they want it, and if this guy's gonna let them say whatever for these guys. Yeah, which yeah, I mean, I completely sense. understand why they would you know, basically step in and be like, what the fuck? Because, you know, the other thing is, too, is um, according to the the article, is that um, the improv style uh, ended up stalling production to a certain extent. And... Uh, so it's costing them more money. Yeah, so it was, it was filming a lot slower because they were doing a lot of retakes and, you know, filming it from different angles as they're going. The explanation is that the directors were basically doing that for the purposes of avoiding reshoots later. So they're reshooting it from all these different angles. They're trying all this different stuff as they're filming so that when it's done, it's done. They have all these different shots. They have all these different variations so that there's not going to be like a reshoot where everything, you know, is going to shoot up production costs. But it's also taking longer, so it's still kind of... <laughs> well, it sounds like they had already planned all the movie sailing. I don't know, but uh, when they stepped in, essentially the director stepped out because, you know, there's, you know, the the people that are bankrolling this, you know, the people in charge of Lucasfilm, the producers are like, hey, you're not fucking doing what you're supposed to be doing, yeah, you know, and so, you know, they essentially got replaced. Um, which I mean makes a lot more sense now, you know, as to why they would leave so late in the game um and and you know the story you know goes on to explain that you know there were a lot of reshoots in row one which is basically what i said and and that uh you know on some level maybe they were trying to avoid that but again like you're 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 not saving money by extending it Mm-mm. you know the reshoots are necessary if needed but you're already assuming they're going to be needed and so you're extending it anyways so you're not really doing a bad job yeah you're not really avoiding anything if you're purposefully doing like even more so i don't know it just seems silly um but uh you know part of the story um part of this article says um in the force rate uh in the force awakens and rogue one have elements that work but it's hard not to imagine what these movies could have been like if the directors had been allowed to take more risks 
this perhaps is ultimately the problem in the Star Wars moving uh, from being literally the most expensive independent franchise in history to being owned by the same megacorp that gives us a new Disney princess movie every two years. I mean, so basically all they're saying is that, like, you know, it'd be good if the directors just kind of had more leeway in, like, what actually is making the film better, you know, as opposed to just listening to the exact verbatim script because, I mean, the director wants to make a good movie, right? I mean, that's the that's what you'd assume. So, you know, if something doesn't seem to be working on, like, what's scripted, you know, when you try something that's improvised that seemingly works better, why not? So if they're doing it for everything, you have to wonder, why would they even sign up for it if they don't? If they don't like it. But, I mean, it, it, it doesn't really say in the story, like, whether or not it, like, you know, happened this much or that much or, like, how heavy the use was or anything. It just well, says that he they favored told him to quit. it. Yeah, I mean, he favored it. But, again, you know, we don't know what the benchmark is. You know, did these people step in because they heard about a couple of infrogs that they weren't happy with? Or was it, like, super rampant, you know, or was it just, like, a little bit of times it was enough to get them pissed off? You know, like, we don't know what the threshold is for, like, you know, what would make them step in. Like, did they feel that, like, there were two or three scenes that were that were so important to them that they'd be done the scripted way that they just stepped in on that point? Or, you know, was it... Probably money and time over everything else. Right, and you're probably right. Money is king. So, um, you know, and ultimately I think maybe it was, yeah, it was time is probably the biggest factor. You know, the, the Han Solo movie slated to release May 25th, 2018. Um, you know, however he's filming it is like setting shit back. He's still got to edit the film and do all this other stuff, you know, post-production shit. And so if it's, you know, pushing the film back in terms of like, you know, when it, where it is on a timetable, you know, there's a potential that it's fucking with the expected release date, which, you know, could be the main motivating factor for, you know, basically giving them the boot and getting a super experienced person like Ron Howard to step in and basically get it back on course, you know, so that it keeps the timetable. Yeah. That's my assumption. So, uh, all right. So um, the next story comes from uh, Yahoo and it has to do with Fox. Um, revealing six uh, more movie or Marvel movie films that are in the works. Now, uh, these movies that are in the pipeline from 20th Century Fox are the, the dates are between 2019 and 2021, with uh, June 7th, 2019, November 22nd, 2019, March 13th, 2020. There's a bunch of them. Um, so they have all these dates that are listed for when they're expecting movies to come out between 2019 and 2021. Um, oh, that is a Fantastic Four. Man, they're not leaving that alone, are they? Well, here's the thing. So the studio has control film rights of X-Men Fantastic Four. Um, let's see. It says they have three films in the works um, for release in 2018. And those are The New Mutants, which is going to be April 13th, Deadpool 2, which is June 1st. And um, X-Men Dark Phoenix, which is going to be November 2nd. Um, the, let's see here. It says, as to what those films will be, Fox has 
had the X-Men spinoff X-Force in development for some years, and Channing Tatum's uh, still attached to Gambit, but that was kind of like put on a back burner the last time we covered that. So who knows like where it is as far as like whether it started production or whatever, or, you know, whether they've done anything with it to this point. Um, cause there's all these different dates, you know, for stuff that they plan to have out. Uh, what they're explaining is that, you know, it might have something to do with fantastic four and the reason I know, and I'm hoping that if they do it, that they're going to do like a reboot and just like recast everybody. Again. Cause I thought the fantastic four was fucking terrible. They need old people. The fantastic four were like old, except for freaking what's his name. The one that Chris Evans played at one point. Oh, uh, you talk about Johnny Blaze? Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I they, they try to do too much, and I, I thought they did a ter- like a really terrible job. So, I mean, I think they just need to recast, and then obviously take the movie in a different direction. They need to do something, or they just need to like leave it not, alone. Not well. Here, <laughs> here's the thing. Is that, you know, obviously they own the rights, and so they can make Fantastic Four movies. Well, the way the contract works, like, when you have rights to these films... They need to make them fantastic, then. Yeah, you have to make films in order to keep the rights to them. So, if they don't keep making Fantastic Four films, then they basically relinquish the rights that they purchased. Yeah, give them up. Yeah, they'll they'll lose the rights, and then Fantastic Four basically go back to Marvel. And so then it, it would to. belong to Disney, and so then it could be part of the MCU, which ideally that's what would happen. But I mean, obviously they're going to just keep pumping out these fucking terrible movies, or you know, forcing something to happen because it's a cash cow for them, to a certain extent. I mean, this last one wasn't because it fucking failed, but um, you know, I mean, there's motivation for them to you know keep making these because uh, they lost Daredevil. They they actually had the Daredevil rights. And they didn't make a fucking, they didn't make anything beyond that first, um, I think, was it, I don't know if they made the one that had Ben Affleck in it, but anyways, they lost the rights to Daredevil, and that's what helped, um, you know, bring the Daredevil miniseries to Netflix. So, I mean, obviously some big good came from that, because Daredevil is fucking great, um, you know, and it was all thanks to Fox just not making the movie, so... You know, hopefully, if we want a really good Fantastic Four, we can just cross our fingers and hope that Fox doesn't do anything with it and it gets, you know, sent back to Marvel so that Marvel can actually do something with a great, you know, franchise because there's so much potential for, like, just really good Fantastic Four movies. They've just failed at every turn. Yeah. So, man, I, I... I'd really like to see a good Fantastic Four. I mean, shit, if anything, the older Fantastic Fours were better than this new one. Yeah, they were. I mean, shit, they could have used all the old fucking characters that they... I mean, obviously they couldn't. Except for Chris Evans. Yeah, they couldn't use Chris Evans. But, uh, I digress. Ah, Fox. Um, so, we're gonna move on to a story that was on Game Crate. And it was basically asking the question as to how popular overwatch is really it's been out for a year and you know it's just kind of focusing on like okay you know how many people are playing overwatch and you know all that kind of stuff throwing a lot of big numbers out there um i think initially you know the beta had like 9.7 million participants 
Um, right now, it's setting at about 11 million a year later. Um, World of Warcraft, at its peak, had about 12 million subscribers, so it looks like it's you know going to eclipse you know WoW in terms of numbers at some point. Um, you know, the story is also saying that you know as far as FPSs go, that you know success-wise and the amount of units that have been sold, that it's actually challenging um, you know the Call of Duty franchise, um, and that uh, you know it, it's had steady growth, um, but it's also focusing on the Overwatch League and, and whether and whether or not it's actually grown. Um, it's saying that uh, Overwatch play saw a steep decline to 18% representation in South Korea internet cafes, um, but mainly I think that had to do with uh, them trying to uh, like deal with hackers and that kind of thing, and so. Mm -hmm. You know, with them trying to, you know, provide some level of support and like dealing with hackers and all these different updates and stuff, that like naturally there was just like a drop in play from players that are, you know, just hackers. otherwise fucking up the game. Um, so there was uh, some decline that mainly had to do with like internet cafe play. So, um, let me see this thing is you know basically saying that despite all of that um you know in the 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 league i guess um hasn't done as well as it could but you know i think that as ambitious as they're hoping to be with where they want over what they're hoping to do with the overwatch league they're gonna need a little bit more than a year i think because you know you're talking about them you know making a league they they're hoping to make you know four professionals you know i mean you talk about basketball you think that nba you think about football you talk about nfl you know what do you think about you know gaming you know each each uh you know company has you know like tournaments that have to do with their game you know that take place all over but like how cool would it be to have like an actual league you know, where each city has their own team, you know, and to be able to, you know, to just have like a full-fledged league, not just a bunch of random tournaments with, you know, prize packages, but like, you know, players that are associated with a team, that are associated with a city, that are getting paid like base pay like a professional should, and, you know, have things like benefits and all that kind of thing, like on a, on a normal pay scale, as opposed to, you know, having to, you know, fight tooth and nail to get in one of only a few, you know, exclusive, um, you know, play, you know, like, I don't know, like, like teams, like uh, Cloud9, you know, where they yeah. only have a couple of people and, you know, they, they focus on, you know, all this different tournament play. I mean, how hard is it to get on a team like that? And there's like only so many, you know, so I think the Overwatch League is like, super ambitious, and it has the potential to, like, change gaming across the board, you know, in terms of just, yeah, in terms of, like, just, you know, professional esports. Um, I, I think that, you know, people are just, I don't know, too quick to be like, oh, it's not doing very good. And, yeah. and, and you know, I, I kind of, you know, doubted, you know, some of what, like, where this article is going, because, you know, in the end, it is still growing. In the end, 
there's a shit ton of support that Blizzard has in terms of like patches, you know, and, and keeping the game fresh, maps, you know, introduction of new characters, you know, providing balance, you know, it, you know, to these characters and stuff like that. And, you know, just to kind of show that they're really focusing on this game is that I actually saw this article today that was actually posted on ESPN and it had to do with uh, UC Irvine offering Overwatch uh, or offering scholarships for Overwatch players. And, uh, you know, when I was telling Amanda about this, like she was like, what? That's fucking cool. And, and it is. You know, they're going to start doing these Overwatch-based scholarships, you know, come fall 2017. Now, I mean, it's not really a surprise that Irvine's doing this because, no. you know, Blizzard is like right in there. Irvine. You know, so, I mean, maybe they bent the ear of, of Irvine. Um, you know, but on a collegiate level, you know, there's a lot. You know, they're trying to get, you know, colleges involved in college play. I mean, like right now with the Heroes of the Dorm stuff. You know, I was for, gonna say it's, that's probably what they're taking their example from is Heroes of the Storm. Yeah, you know that there's a lot of Heroes of the Storm, you know, players on you know in that league that you know there's a lot of college teams, and so naturally they're trying to expand that to Overwatch, you know, and other colleges, you know, offering, um, you know, scholarships for these players, which again it's just a path on the road to you know becoming a professional player in an esports league. And so it only makes sense that you'd start in a collegiate level, you know, before you move up to a professional level. Um, so it says those selected for the program will receive yearly financial aid of $2,500 to cover tuition fees in exchange for a commitment of 15 to 20 hours per week during the season to practice, uh, team meetings, community service, workouts, and competitions. In addition, the program will provide it's beneficiaries with a professional grade infrastructure that includes dedicated coaching and analysis, uh, analysis staff, personal training and team psychologist, and an unlimited access to UCI's esports arena. So, you know, it's it's a it's pretty lofty what they're doing. I mean, obviously, twenty five hundred bucks. Um, I, I misread it the first time. I thought it was like per semester, but it's saying yearly. So, I mean, it's it's this. It's, it's a, it's still a That's scholarship. Okay. Yeah, I mean it's still a scholarship, and it might pay for like eight classes and some books or whatever. You know, so I mean definitely if you're trying to go there full time. It's not going to help that. It, it's going to help some. I mean obviously some money is better than no money. You know you're probably going to have to you know still work. You know take out some loans or have other scholarships. Uh, you know coming your way, but it's the beginning of something. Yeah. You know obviously if things continue to be successful. You know, if you know if they're drawing numbers of people, you know, coming to watch these esports players play, you know, and the college is able to, you know, make money from attendance the way with like, you know, they make with like football and volleyball and basketball, then you're probably going to see the college invest more money. And obviously, it's not as expensive. I don't think it would be as expensive to invest in an esports league. You're talking about a couple of players that are going to fill a roster, you know, just having decent computers. Um, you know, on top of some of the other support staff, it's going to cost less than it costs to have a football team. Yeah. I mean, obviously, I don't think the, the popularity is there to compare it to, you know, a collegiate football uh, program. But, you know, in terms of just like, you know, money for football and money for an esports league, you know, it's apples and oranges. Obviously, the game is going to be cheaper every time. Um, but, you know, I think this is a 
perfect example of how, you know, Blizzard's really trying to change the way, you know, professional gaming is done. And, uh, you know, they're definitely putting their money where their mouth is. They're definitely taking the time to, you know, try to develop, you know, the league and, you know, collegiate play. I think it's pretty damn awesome. And I think it just needs more time to, you know, really get off the ground. And, I mean, it can't just be a Blizzard thing. You know, it has to be something where, you know, big companies and sponsors are willing to step in, you know, and, you know, put their money in there. I mean, because... You know, gaming is getting more popular, like, every year. I mean, once upon a time, would you have ever thought that, like, a stadium of people would pay and show up to watch a bunch of gamers play a game against another fucking team and watch that game on a big screen? Like, no. Like, you just, you'd think about that and be like, that's retarded. But, you know, now with the rise of YouTube and Twitch and all these other you know, platforms that make it possible. I mean, kids and everybody else, you know, they really get interested in, you know, these professional players playing on that level. I mean, even some of these big YouTube, you know, celebrity types that, you know, are, are doing all of these different things in terms of, like, trying out these different games and putting out this, this video content. I mean, hell, our kids do that. You yeah. know, they're always on there watching all these different gamers. And, uh, you know, it's definitely where this is going, um, I, I, I really hope they're successful because I think, you know, whereas when you were little, I mean, and you grew up, like, I thought I'd want to be a fucking astronaut or whatever. I mean, you know, and like, you know, even kids are like, oh, you know, I want to be a you know famous singer or an actor or whatever. You know, like, being a gamer, like, if you were thinking about, like, you know, having a career in gaming industry... Really, you were maybe thinking about like doing something where you were going to be a creator, you know, graphic design or something along those lines that was going to get you in the door to Blizzard on that level where you're helping design the game, which, I mean, obviously is still something cool to do. But, I mean, there's only so many spots that are going to be available to people that are going to actually play the game, you know, to find the bugs and all of that kind of thing, they're actually going to get paid to play. But on, yeah. a, on a development level, where they're providing feedback in order to make the game better. But, I mean, being a kid and being like, I want to be a gamer, a professional gamer. And, like, that actually be something that could be attainable. But not just like, oh, I'm going to, you know, play 40 hours a week and bust my ass to, like, you know, maybe get on a good team that'll recognize me that we might win a tournament here and there to make some prize money, you know, to, to live off of while we try to, you know, win this next tournament. Like, you know, really at some point you're going to be like, okay, this person's going to have to get a real job at some point. Right. Yeah. And that's most what, of them do. And, and most of them do, you know, they end up retiring, which is funny because they're still pretty fucking young and they get announcers jobs, you know, when they're making regular pay and all that stuff. You know, but with Blizzard stepping in and, you know, on this collegiate level and Overwatch, uh, you know, Overwatch League and all those kind of things, you might be able to actually be a gamer and actually be able to, you know, make a living as a gamer. How cool is that? So the goal is lofty. I'm all for it. You know, my kid wants to do that, you know, just like anybody else's kid does. And I tell him, <laughs> We, we joke, or, but I mean, it's not really a joke, but I'm like, hey, yeah, 
You want to be good at this fucking game? You better play it all the time. Practice, mm-hmm. practice, practice, you know? And it's funny because, you're, you know, you're telling your kid to play a shit ton. Play a game. You know, to play a shit ton of a game, practicing. You know, but, I mean, hey, if you want your kid to be good at football, he has to practice football. You know, he has to, you know, if he wants to be good at fucking Overwatch, better be playing that shit all the time against some of the best people. You know, and playing lead yeah. play if he wants to get recognized and get seen and, you know, actually be a professional. And what's funny is, like, it's like, oh, I want to be a professional gamer. Oh, that's going to be so fun just playing games all the time. But when you have to play it. Don't get tired of it. You know, on that volume in order to be that good. At that point, you know, it still might be fun. But it's less fun because now it's more of a job. But, and I think, you know, even our son is starting to see that. Where we're like, play, 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 play. If you do yeah. want, if you do want to be good, and he's kind of like, mm. I don't want to. Yeah, it's like, boy, you wanted to fucking play. Now we're telling you to play, and he's like, I don't know you, dude. So, kind of a talked about that one for a long time, but I'm mm-hmm. uh, pretty happy that we're going to BlizzCon, bitches. Yeah. It, yesterday they did a third phase of uh, BlizzCon tickets um, because they expanded. Um, they expanded the amount of space that uh, BlizzCon usually covers at the Anaheim Convention Center. The construction's going to be finished. Yeah, so they are were they were able to um, you know, to sell a little bit more tickets because there was going to be more room, and so the third phase of tickets went on sale yesterday, and we actually were able to get tickets. So um, we're pretty stoked to be going again. And, uh, of course, we will be, you know, covering uh, Friday and Saturday of BlizzCon. So um, now the the last thing before we go. There's still more. One more thing. <laughs> Jeez. Um, it has to do with uh, Sense8. Uh, this was posted on the Sense8 Facebook page on June 29th. So, you know, if you have had your ear to the ground on this, you probably already heard about it if you were a big Sense8 fan. And um, I won't read the entire story that the uh, director posted. If you want to read the entire thing, um, just go to the Sense8 Facebook page. And again, it was posted June 29th. Um, make a long story short, Sense8 was canceled. The show was fucking great. Mm-hmm. You know, we talked about this before about, you know, how bullshit it was that it got canceled because it was an excellent show. I mean, there's some other shows that they canceled that it made sense. This one, not so much. I mean, I understand that this show was very expensive to make, but again, it was a really good show. So, um, you know, I it said, you know, hopefully people will get together and like, you know, email these people or you know, send letters to Netflix or, you know, basically let it be known, whether it's on Facebook, Twitter, or whatever, that we aren't happy about this. Um, so enough people did that. And um, although they're not, you know, renewing it for another season, um, Netflix is allowing the director to film a two-hour special that will release um sometime next year, you know, which is when it would have released if it was going to be renewed, but a two hour release special, uh, to basically finish out and 
you know, sew up the, um, you know, the Sensate show basically provides some level of closure. So it's not what we wanted, but it's, it's but it's something. So, um, you know, two-hour special is coming. Uh, that'll be pretty neat to at least, you know, finish the story. Because, I mean, if they just left it where it was... Like seriously? Yeah, it's pretty crap. You know, so you know, at least the two-hour finale is going to be taking place. Um, so we're super happy about that. Um, that was the last story. Um, I guess this basically wraps up episode fifty-four. Um, we'll probably be posting um another show here in the next day or so, just because we'll be talking about our. Uh, we'll be doing a review of a. Uh, Spider-Man Homecoming. Uh, so stay tuned for that. And uh, I have, thanks for listening. This was a long one, but we haven't recorded in a little bit. So thanks for listening. I'm Jesse with Amanda Woo-hoo. saying goodbye. Bye.